This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, from your health to your wealth and a subject that many of us just don't want to deal with, or at least we keep putting it off. And I'm talking about estate planning. First, there are the basics. Do you have a will? Powers of attorney? Does your family know where everything is? And once you sort out that, there are other things to take care of, which is why I would like to welcome Mark Halpern, a certified financial planner and trust and estate practitioner with wealth insurance. He's got everything you need to know, plus tips for making sure that most of your hard-earned money goes to your family and your favorite charities and perhaps not the Canada Revenue Agency. I'm going to give the numbers out because Mark is happy to take your calls and answer your questions. They are 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Mark, welcome. Thanks, Libby. It's so nice to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, thanks for coming. So uh, we're starting with the basics, and you have a, a, a sports analogy for all of this? Well, I'm a diehard uh, Toronto Maple Leaf. Diehard Toronto Maple I'm going to start that again. I forgot to turn on your mic. Oh, oh. okay. Okay. So, again, starting with a sports analogy. So, thanks, Libby. I'm a diehard Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I've been suffering like every Torontonian. And, it, you know, we have all these uh, teams that have great offense. But you see the ones that win the championship – are the ones with the best defense every year. And uh, a lot of people that I speak to are very offense-minded. They're so busy investing or, you know, adding to their portfolios or building things and have a whole bunch of stuff, but they haven't really created a defensive plan. And this estate planning is really what it's about. It's it's about sort of taking a, a snapshot of where you are and making sure that everything is in its right place and is going to go to the right people that you want it to. Okay, so uh, how do you start or how do you not get stuck? I mean, I would imagine that most Zoomers, you know, reach a certain stage of life and they at least have a will. You'd think so, wouldn't you, Libby? Yeah. First of all, let's take away a bit of a misconception. People think estate planning is only for rich people, right? But it's for it's for anybody who has any assets. They could have a house, they could have an RSP, a RIF, whatever. And it's kind of like your your caller or the guest that you just had right now. You know, you can't get a prescription before you know what the diagnostics are, right? So it's really sitting down with a professional to sort of look at the big picture and see things from 30,000 feet up, see what you have, find out what you'd like to do, and then make sure that everything is in its right place. The challenge is, is that people have acquired things and they have sort of a, a financial architecture they may have started with yep. and they have sort of financial furniture that fits that. But fast forward, now their financial architecture is so completely different. The question is, does the furniture still fit? Does it have to be updated? Does does it have to be tossed? Does it have to be replaced? So that's where it really is it really incumbent on people to sit down with a professional to sort of have that dialogue. I have to say, uh, guilty as charged. Uh, my husband and I over the years have had two versions of a will. And I know that the last one 
is not suitable, but um, it's not at the top of the list of things that we're going through. Well, look at, you know, uh, you're not, you've got lots of company, Libby, and, you know, I've met people who have estates worth over a hundred million dollars. What? Yeah without wills and without powers of attorney. So it's really, there's no cookie cutter. Everybody's situation is, is, is unique. And that's why it's important to have this conversation. Okay. So in addition to a will, hopefully a will that meets your needs, you also, what powers of attorney do you need? Well, first of all, make sure you have a will. You should just know most people don't have a will. Or if they do have a will, I think it's something like 80% of them are not up to date. So it's always good to have that looked at. Powers of attorney are each person needs two powers of attorney. One is for medical care. So if they become incapacitated, someone can make decisions on their, their health. And the other is on financial, like where is everything and who's allowed to do their banking and do their payments paying their bills and, you know, taking care of their mortgages and things like that. So if you don't have somebody uh, who's been positioned who you like to have, then what happens is you just allow the government to get involved. And I think that's the last thing people want to do. Okay. You also cite other things, titles for probates, beneficiary updates, life insurance. Uh, let's get into those things. Okay. So we have something in Canada called probate taxes. It's actually an estate administrative tax. And if you have any property, including a principal residence or any bank accounts or any investment properties or a company, shares in a company, and you have that only in one person's name and that person dies, the government in Ontario wants 1.5% of the market value of those assets. So for each million dollars, it's a $15,000 estate administrative tax. Notice the acronym. EAT, estate administrative <laughs> tax. So there's ways to avoid, avert this with some planning, either by having a primary will and a secondary will or a. What's, a, wait, a primary will and a secondary will? What's that? Well, there's some legislation that went up to the Supreme Court of Canada to uh, be able to avoid this probate taxes. Let's say somebody has a company. They have a holding company or an operating company or they own shares in a, in some real estate, investment real estate. If they have their personal property in one will, right, that would not be subject to probate, and their other will would be subject to probate. Well, probate, there is a way of planning with a, you know, the proper lawyer to be able to set it up that you could avoid this probate tax. Okay, uh, that sounds a little complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it really comes, it comes down to giving this attention. That's the most important thing. And, 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 and I just want to also point out that with this conversation in particular, it's really important that any of your listeners, and by the way, you're very popular. I heard from so many people oh, after you. our last show, but uh, any of your listeners who are, are, uh, either single, or widows or divorcees um, are really people who have to give a lot of attention to this. Why? Because if you have a spouse, you know, if somebody dies, everything rolls over tax-free to the surviving spouse. But if you're single or widowed or divorced and you have, uh, you know, an incident happen, it's there's considered a deemed disposition at that moment. And that's when the government has their hand out and they want some money. And that could range anywhere between 27 and 54% of your assets. Ooh, that sounds painful. Um, at least uh, you won't be around to do it. <laughs> uh, but the good news is, Libby, thanks. I, yeah, that that's called one way of planning. It's called the old head in the sand, sand. ostrich. Right? But there are ways to do some planning where you could actually preserve your estate so that instead of the CRA getting all your money, your family still gets it or, or charities that you're passionate about. So I think it's really incumbent on people to give this some attention. We're talking about estate planning. He has all the information you need. I'm going to get right to the phones. And we've got 
got a call from David in Toronto. Hi, David. Hello. Good afternoon. Go ahead. You're on the air. Thank you very much. Uh, the question I have concerns uh, uh, Wills. Uh, my wife and I are in our earlier, early 70s. We're guilty of not having arranged a will. And one of the reasons why we haven't done that, Mr. Halpern, is um, uh, we have no one in our lives that we can point as an executor. And we're afraid that if we go ahead and talk to a lawyer and incur the expenses, we'll be held up with this problem. We don't know how to proceed. Yeah, that's a challenge for a lot of people, especially if you don't have any children or you don't like your children. <laughs> well, we have children, but we don't trust them to be able to handle these types of affairs. Yeah, it's not unusual. So if you don't have a professional that you can turn to or lean on, mm-hmm. and you don't have any uh, family or good friends that you would trust, then you could use a financial institution. Now, people think, again, you have to be very wealthy to go to the banks. And generally mm-hmm. speaking, you do have to have quite a, a large net worth, and, and there are certain percentages that are dictated by government policy in terms of how much they can charge. But there are smaller trust firms that actually would suit your needs, like on a a more bespoke type basis, where you can know in advance what the cost would be as well. So I Mm -hmm. think, you know, if you get in touch with me at mark at wealthinsurance.com, I'd be very happy to provide you with any recommendations or an introduction if that would make sense. Okay, that's an interesting recommendation. I'll do that. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, David. Let's go to Debbie in Aurora. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Libby. Thank you for t- taking my call. You're very um, well. I'm a recent uh, widow, and um, my husband passed away a few months ago. Sorry to hear that. Thank you. Uh, every I have a will. Uh, he did not have a will. Everything is in my name, and uh, we had two children together, so... I have not done anything legally on his, other than close his credit card accounts, etc. But I'm just wondering what the ramifications are for not going forward with closing legally. I don't know if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get it. Uh, hi, I'm very sorry to hear about your late husband. Actually, I, I come from that experience. My my father died when I was when he was 50, and I was 11, and I was the youngest of four children, and. My mother, who was 48, had to take care of us because he was a busy engineer and he had no will either and there was very little savings and no insurance. So I, I totally hear what you're saying. How old are your children, Debbie? Uh, 21 and 24. Okay, so so really, uh, you do need to speak to somebody, ideally, you know, an estate lawyer or somebody who can help you with estate administration. Uh, because of the fact that your children are no longer minors, really, you're the beneficiary of his estate. So it would go to you. Uh, but still, you'd want to get some professional advice just to make sure that you're preserving everything that he's built for you. And going forward, you just have to make sure now that you really have, you know, a proper will in place and powers of attorney. And even more importantly, it's just a list of where all your stuff is. Like, you know, up until now, you and your husband may have had one of those drawers, you know, like the famous, it's all in the drawer, you know, but your kids might <laughs> I have not, a drawer nope. like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, everybody does, that filing folder, yep. you know, in the linen closet. So you really need to put together an estate director. We've actually created one. It's a writable PDF at our website at wealthinsurance.com. And I suggest you complete it and put it someplace that your kids know where it is at all times so that at least, you know, they're not put into a situation of like, where is everything when there's an emotional event that happens. Well, when it, when he did pass, I started doing some paperwork and I, then I did my own as well and let my oldest daughter know that there's a box with stuff in it. Um, 
going forward. But I guess basically my question is he had nothing. So, so there's I'm really just, nothing. There's no assets. It was all in your name. Correct. Okay. You're correct. still going to have to fill out though. You're entitled to a CPP death benefit. Um, you know, that's not taxable. It's small. It's, you know, $5,000. And, uh, and, and certainly you want to just make sure that things are closed up properly. So nobody comes back to you down in the future and, and sort of stirs things or open things up for you. Yeah, he he was uh, really behind in his taxes, so I don't know if the CP if I would be eligible for the CPP thing. Okay, but look at just don't whatever you do, take care of it while the sun is shining. You know, you can always ignore it and avoid it, like a lot of people do. But it doesn't sound like you're that type of person. So, and if you need any help with a local, uh, you know, a state lawyer in your neighborhood, I'm very happy to help you as well. If you just reach out to me at marketwealthinsurance dot com. Okay. I thank you both very much. Thank okay. you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Now, let's go to Marjorie. It says here, Victoria, are you calling from Victoria, B.C.? No. Oh. Victoria, Ontario. Oh, okay. I, I didn't even know there was a I Victoria. I was thinking Victoria Park or Victoria oh, Drive. Okay. Or well, welcome from it's, wherever. It's close to Lake Erie. Um, okay. So my question is, I have a house and some investments. I am a widow. So how do I avoid probate fees? Right. So often you'll find somebody will be in your situation and one thing they might do is go ahead and put one of their children on the title of, let's say, their non-registered bank accounts or their house or their condo, right? Um, in which case, upon your death, assuming you go before your kids, that's the way it's supposed to go, then there would be no probate. The downside to that, Marjorie, is now they really own half of your stuff, right? So if they have any issues with regards to creditors or litigation, those are assets that are attackable. Plus, they also have the ability to, you know, get rid of you. Or if they have a spouse and all of a sudden their marriage doesn't work out, those are assets that they now have in their possession. So you have to be really careful about that. If your estate is large enough, you could set up a, a type of will It's called a, uh, or a trust, it's called a bear trust, where you could actually put your real estate in it to avoid the pro- probate. But again, you know, as I said, for each million dollars, it's $15,000 of probate taxes in Ontario. So you have to weigh out what the value of the $15,000 versus the cost of putting together those trusts. Sure. Okay, well, I really, really appreciate you uh, talking to me. Great. Okay, if you thanks. need any help on anything else, please be in touch. We'll be very happy to help you as well. Thank you very, very much. I really enjoy this program. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Linda in Mississauga. Hello, Linda. Hi. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, I have a question for Mark. Um, I have a... Two residents, one's a cottage, one's a house. Uh, and uh, I'm worried about probate. I'd like to leave the cottage to my daughter. Um, but she's in a common law relationship. So I said I wouldn't do that until such times as they get a prenup. Yeah, I'll tell you, it, just in terms of your probate versus capital gains taxes, uh-huh. I think your your bigger concern should be the area of capital gains taxes. Why? Yeah, that's because concern. Because we, we're only allowed to have one principal residence mm-hmm. that's designated, and you clearly have two properties. Mm-hmm. So there's some planning in you know, some cases where people can make their cottage their principal residence. It all depends on which one is appreciated more. And, but, but let's just, yeah, but let's just say the, the, your cottage, as an example, let's say 
you bought a cottage for $100,000 and now it's worth a million dollars, right? Yeah. That would be great. So there'd be, <laughs> yeah. there'd be a, or let's <laughs> okay. say it's worth $1.1 yeah. So there'd be a million dollar gain, right? Mm-hmm. So on your death, there would be a million dollar gain, which means your family would have to come up with a check for about $270,000 to pay the taxes. So that's a bigger issue. People don't necessarily have the money sitting around mm-hmm. or they have to borrow the money. Or unfortunately, a lot of times people have to sell the asset. They have to sell the cottage or they have to sell the investment property mm-hmm. or what they could do. The least expensive way is to buy life insurance for pennies on the dollars. They can keep that cottage in the family for generations to come. That would be an example. Or you could set it up again in some way with uh, with your daughter where you sell it to her during your lifetime. I mean, to gift it to her, there would be a deemed disposition so there'd be tax while you're alive. I really think you really just need to give this some attention. So, you know, sitting down with a, you know, certified financial planner or a good, you know, tax accountant or lawyer can really help you make sure that you preserve this these very important things in your life. Uh, I just want to make a point. Um, I thought I heard a misconception about what happens when you're in a common law relationship. And I think a lot of people have this. Now, unless something's changed, my understanding is that in a common law relationship, the spouses are entitled to support, but not to property. Am I right, Mark? Well, again, each situation is unique. I can't go ahead and give you sort of a blanket answer to that. But yeah, we've we've actually written a very good tax letter article on what to do in the case of common law relationships. You know, there are people who have a, a, a document or an agreement, you know, based on contemplation of common law, or they'll have a prenuptial agreement. Sometimes those are kind of icky and nobody thinks they're full of love. You uh-huh. know? Yeah, but, 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 but my understanding is that, that in a common law relationship, you're not entitled to property. Yeah, exactly. That's true. So the, look, at, we're, you should, everyone should just realize that the largest area of legal uh, sort of business out there is in the area of estates, estates. There's so much litigation, estate litigation that's going on that if somebody has a good enough lawyer, even if you are common law, you know what? If anything, all it's going to do is cost lots more money and dwindle down the amount of the assets that are available. So I think all of this stuff should really be looked at while you're in contemplation of a common law relationship or even after the fact. And that just means giving it a little attention. But you're, you're right, Libby. If you're in a common law sort of situation, you know, you don't have as many uh, as many um, um, rights and protections, rights, but but you can still use that common law for moving your taxable estate taxes to the surviving member of that common law relationship. But again, you have to know is that what you really want to do? So it really you know give it some attention while the sun is shining. Okay, is, is there a tax thing if, for instance, you? sold your principal residence and moved to the cottage and made it your principal no, residence? No, that would actually be very good. Look at your principal residence, as we used that example before, you paid 100000 and that was grown to $1.1 yeah. There's no tax when you sell your principal residence. One of the few tax benefits here in Canada, for now at least. Okay. Uh, but so, but, but as moved- long as the, the cottage was not your principal residence up until then, uh-huh. so then there'd be a calculation. There's a formula that they use to determine how much time your, your cottage would have been considered a principal residence right. by way of that exemption. So you can't just move from one to the other and suddenly have no tax. It's a little too late for that. But you <laughs> right. could go back in time, you know, and, and sort well, of set it up that way. We didn't make it our way. principal resident ever, uh, the cottage. Okay. Okay. Uh, a lot to think about on that one. Linda, thanks for your call. Let's go to Heidi in Toronto. Hello, Heidi. Hi, how are you? Fine. 
You're having a very important program. I know that. I recognize that voice, Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Okay, you've you've put your friends on the line. I I actually know Mark. Just tell people I'm not paying you to say anything nice about me, okay? Okay. Just make sure of that. But you know what? Mark is doing a great job. It's very impressive and on a very important topic that a lot of people really need to know about. Okay, what's your question? So my question is, as Mark knows, I'm a doctor of social work. I have a PhD in social work, and I specialize in singles and couple counseling. And many of the single people, the single clients who I have, are very afraid that if, God forbid, they become incapacitated or ill or wind up in the hospital, in terms of personal care, who would be responsible for looking out for them or making decisions. They don't have family. These are very nice, single, independent people, but they're on their own. and They're not in a couple relationship. And the friends that they do have are not responsible people. They don't feel comfortable having their friends be responsible for personal care. So I'm wondering what advice you would give or what I should be telling them to do, because this is a real worry. And yeah, unfortunately... Yeah, I just I'm just to jump in. Uh, we're going to have to make this response on the quick side because we're running out of time. Heidi, Heidi, know, Heidi thanks Heidi, for the call. Yeah, thank you, Heidi. You know how to reach me if you need to. But just really, um, it's a big problem. There are a lot of singles, a lot of widows, a lot of people who don't necessarily have that infrastructure of community and family and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to find somebody. It could be uh, you know a, a member of their local church or their synagogue or their mosque. Somebody that they can lean on in case they're incapacitated from a health uh, or point of view, or consider things like long-term care insurance so that they can at least get the care that they need. Or again, you can use one of these uh, trust companies who can actually be appointed to look after you in terms of, uh, of health care as well. Mm-hmm. So there's no cookie cutter answer. Basically, each situation is unique and it really is something you have to address. So healthcare companies will They'll offer look after a service? Yeah. There's, again, the trust will look after not Whoa. just... yeah. Again, but it's it's somebody who's a stranger, and it's always nice to have somebody like you know the, your your neighbor that you know, or somebody a young person or a relic, your your nephew, your niece. It's- I I I think that Heidi's just brought up something that is probably uh, or possibly a, a growing problem, uh, you know, a, a well, when gap. You th- when you think that, you know, the the world's pop here, the baby boomers started turning 65 in the year 2011, you know, our country is going to start looking more like Florida, like Century mm-hmm. Village, and uh, and you can have a lot of people long on life, possibly and short on money, and 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 it really is something that you got to take care of, as I said, well, things are good to make sure you don't run out of money, that you've got things, and etc. Okay, uh, Heidi, thanks for your call. Uh, we're just getting started here, but uh, we're running out of time. Mark Halpern, you are going to be back in coming a few back, weeks. Coming back every two weeks. Okay. We've got a session together, and I'm really excited to give a lot of help to your listeners. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.